Hi, Siri here. I'm doing a British accent so I will sound smarter and you'll take me more seriously. I'm here to let you know that the Random Fandom Podcast contains spoilers for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. But seriously, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens yet, it's your own damn fault. Seriously, you haven't seen it yet. What the hell is wrong with you? Hey guys, welcome to episode 5 of Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon. My name is Brandon. My name is Brandon. Hence the name of our podcast, Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon. And henceforth, may it forever be. Unless somebody pays us because they want their name, we'd easily give it up for some money. We would. I've been sold and bought before. It's all good. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there's no limit to how low I will go. <laughs> I want you on my team if we ever get into a, uh, what is that game, Jenga, when you go under the, Limbo, not Jenga. <laughs> and by the way, Limbo's a great indie game. Just wanted to say that. Okay. So this is our high episode. Nobody saw you wink when no. you went. <laughs> so but that was a winking sound. So that, it just sounded like That was the audio implication of a wink. <laughs> this is our high episode. High five. High five. This is our fifth podcast. So thank you for joining us. We are here to talk your ears off about movies, TV shows, video games, comics. Anything that has to do with geekdom and fandom uh, is something near and dear to our hearts, and we just love talking about it. Speaking of which, we've got some traction. We're getting some traction. I've noticed we've got some downloads. We've got some followers. Did you notice all of those webcam girls that are following us on Twitter? They love us. Isn't that weird? (laughs) And it's just us, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. They they are real into our podcast. Because what gets people more turned on than webcams and talk about Star Wars? Yeah. 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 Game of Thrones always turns me on. Oh, so hot. I'm just like, oh, yeah. I love it when you push that guy's eyes in. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, you need to catch up, my friend. I will. I'll be the mustard over here if you catch up. Okay, I like yeah. what you did there. <laughs> Let's relish this moment. <laughs> mayo. No, that didn't work. I was trying to weave mayo in somehow. I don't like mayonnaise, by the way. I really don't. When's the last time you actually craved mayonnaise? I no, you don't crave mayonnaise. But yeah, it's so why even a, use it? It's just a moisture. I, I suppose, but when you look at the ingredients, you wouldn't want any one of those particular ingredients on your sandwich or any place else you put mayo. But no, somehow it but just congeals and works when you put them all together (laughs) so we want to thank our sponsors Mm -hmm. but unfortunately we have no sponsors what should we do instead i say we practice a bit yeah by uh thanking our fake sponsors hey that's a great idea why don't you why don't you thank our first fake sponsor hey guys let's face it every once in a while we all need some help and if you ever find yourself landing in prison hey there's no judgment but we want to know about an organization that is created to give you a second chance. This organization is called Christian Bail. They are organized and created to give second chances to prisoners who have turned to Christianity in their incarceration by helping them post bail. Christian Bail. Okay. Our next sponsor is Bub Rubs Bum Rubbing Rump Roast. (laughs) Take two. (laughs) Our next sponsor is... Bub rubs, bum rub. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you just got to read it fast. Here. Wait, let me 
Bub rubs, bum rubbing. That's actually it's too much alliteration for I me. Know, it was overpowered me. It's funny because I could say it off mic, but now that I have to say it on mic, it's hard. Imagine yeah. you're trying to tell your mom about it. <laughs> mom, mom, I listen. want you to go buy me some bum rubs, bum rubbing bum rubs, rubs for my rum pros. Okay. Our next sponsor is Bub Rubs Bum Rubbing Rump Roast Rub. That's right. <laughs> what what what's that called again? <laughs> Don't make me say it again. Okay. Bub Rubs Bum Rubbing Rump Roast Rub. Put the woo woo back in your meat. Wow. Thank you, Bub Rub. So thank you to our fake sponsors. Make sure to go fake check them out. This recording would not be possible if it wasn't for them and you. So let's get right into things. Let's talk about movies. Now, uh, this is news since our last recording, and it's news that excites us both because there's nothing like the potential, the hope, the feeling you get when you say, I hope they do this right. Right? Yes. We had an entire segment on video game movies that were done right, and there was only a few of them, and then the the hundreds, it seems, that were done so wrong. So will Assassin's Creed be... Will it be good? Will it be in the minority? I hope so. And actually be good. It looks like it has potential. Absolutely. The trailer totally did it for me. You see Michael Fassbender... As Ezio Alditore, he totally looks apart. The action seems right up the alley of what an Assassin's Creed movie should look like because the movements look very to what stylized. You, yeah, very yeah. similar to the style of the video games. I I'm excited. Now this movie is coming out this year, from what I understand. Yep. So I'm assuming it's a, a fourth quarter release. You know, and it's funny because we were talking about trailers, and this movie just kind of reminded me trailers don't have voiceovers anymore. They let the actual clips of the movie do the talking for you. Oh, yeah. It's no longer in a world or once there was a man. They use actual lines of dialogue and scenes to basically be that voice. Good point. And when, I haven't I just, thought of that. I, I just, you know, when you think trailers, when someone goes, oh, do that, pretend you're in a movie trailer. Oh, everyone does that Don, what's his name? Fontaine voice or whatever. RIP, by the way. He's dead. Maybe that's I why. I figured that when you said Maybe that is... <laughs> right, you are? I was like, wait, did he just go to bed? Is that what... Yeah, rest, rest in, in pajamas. for the night. <laughs> just one night. Oh, and speaking of which, I always have trouble pronouncing the name. Ezio Auditore. Oh, nice. Actually, that was quite... The, quite um, the modern day equivalent of him that Michael Fassbender is playing dies. I don't remember him actually being dead in the video games. I think he was just recruited. No, I don't think... I don't think he actually dies. I think they staged his oh, death. Oh, okay. Um, From the trailer. Yeah, they they made it look like he was dead so that everybody thinks he's dead. Yeah, because so this animus isn't necessarily something they want people knowing about. Yes. Abstergo, the company, and yeah. throughout the games, they're, a lot of what they do goes under the radar. Secret society. And, um, so anyways, the trailer makes it look like you would hope for if you're an Assassin's Creed fan. Um, and of course, the very last scene, they have the the obligatory rooftop jumps and uh, the parkour scaling the buildings. Yeah, and which of course, is, which is okay with me. Like yeah, that's, that's what right I want on, out of an Assassin's Creed right game. Yeah, and hopefully, or a movie. yeah, 
game turned movie. And the very last scene that the trailer leaves you with is him doing just this, just this like beautiful swan dive off of like a clock tower or something. Yeah. And you don't see where he's jumping. And I'm just like, please be a hay bale. I, I think that would be so funny. I, I'm sure they will make it a hay bale, but in my opinion, I'm like, don't make it a hay bale because make it a Christian bale in, (laughs) in a video game. You have a little bit of leeway where you're like, that wouldn't because it's a video game that that guy would have died. He would have to be so exact with his jump, but it's a video game, so you're like, uh, whatever. In a movie, you have to be a little bit more realistic in that sense. When this so one's taking he, a very realistic tone. Yeah. And if he dives off of a church tower or something into a hay bale that's about seven feet long, I'm going to be like, really? That that would kill anyone. It's like you would feel the, the director winking through the camera like, huh? Yeah. I got you, video gamers. Yeah. I got you covered. The one thing that just makes me a little bit twingy towards what I see in the trailer. And I realize we're spending 10 minutes dissecting a two-minute film clip. Nerds! Uh, but, um, but the thing that kind of gets me is the Animus is on steroids. Yeah. It, it's huge. It looks like one of Doc Ock's tentacles. It reminded me of uh, Gladys. Very much so. From Portal. So that's just one thing that I noticed, but we'll see how it plays uh, you out. You know, that, in that, I don't mind them having creative liberty in that sense where they're going to take something and they're going to change it, but keep the keep what the animus's purpose is, but then change the aesthetics or how it works. That's, that's fine with me. So speaking of video game adaptations to movies, uh, you had mentioned earlier before we started doing this podcast that you've actually changed your tune on the Warcraft movie. When we talked about this before, we were both totally lukewarm. We kind of were like, eh, we're probably not going to see it. Uh, right away, if people say it's pretty good, we might go see it in theaters. But we were definitely not rushing out to go see it, uh, especially because we don't. We both don't really play the World of Warcraft series, so we're not invested in that sense. But you told me that you changed your tone a little bit, and I want to hear why. Yeah, that's true. Uh, nothing I've seen on screen, as far as any more clips, has got me any more excited. But I will say the CG looks better it looks than touched it did up. when they first came out with the when it first came out it looked like already a faded tattoo but it looks like now it's the same tattoo <laughs> it's but it's been tattoo. touched up a little yeah, bit okay. so it's come to life a little bit more nothing i've seen has got me feeling any differently towards the movie but in doing a little research uh, i found out the guy who did the screenplay and directed it has a very short uh resume but a very solid resume he also wrote and directed uh, Moon, back in 2009, with one of my favorite ac- actors, Sam Rockwell. Great movie. Uh, kind of like this generation's uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey with its own individualism to it. And then, of course, uh, Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal, which was a really good movie, underrated. So both of his his movies have been kind of, I think, underappreciated. The two movies he's done have a resounding critical reception. Mm-hmm make me feel like maybe there's something to this. And it's one thing to direct a movie you didn't write or write a movie and see someone else direct it, but he's, you know, he's got both credits to his name in this movie. So hopefully he really cares about the, no pun intended, the craft of, you know, the source, Warcraft. Oh, that's yeah, that's okay. the pun. Yeah, you look at me like, mm, no, I don't understand, <laughs> sir. I don't understand. Uh, and just a quick little side note, I don't think being a famous person's son or daughter should automatically make you good or make people want to support you. You know, you got to stand out as your own artist. But it, this guy is David Bowie's son. Kind of cool. Just kind of like on a pop culture note. When it comes up on Final Jeopardy, now we'll be able to get it. Yep. Uh, you Too bad know, you won't have any money to wager. 
I do mind, right? Because I won't get any of the other. <laughs> you can't uh, enter Final Jeopardy if you're in the negatives. And that movie does come out soon. I think we were just, uh, yeah, just confirmed June 10th, a week after TMNT comes out. So, you know, some good geeky stuff on the horizon, whether yeah. or not we'll be seeing it. So I actually think this is great that this director who doesn't really have anything, has never done anything to do with video games before, is taking on this role. And it might actually make it so that the director is is going forward with this movie as a good movie first and as a video game movie second. Not I, the other I see way what around. you're saying. That would be totally fine with me. So June 10th, we'll get our chance to find out. I'm actually gearing up a little more than I was a few weeks ago. Now let's talk about uh, six-pack abs. Go on. <laughs> There's a distinct lack of them in this room. <laughs> Channing Tatum. We got melted ice cream abs. <laughs> Channing Tatum is ah, uh, I see you. on board to do the Gambit movie. And this is not new. He's been actually... He's been wanting to be Gambit since the original idea came forward that they were doing a Gambit movie. And he's been trying to hop on board because apparently he's a big fan of that character and has always wanted to play that character. I think that's great. I I don't mind Channing Tatum at all as an actor. I think he's actually quite a good actor. And if he can pull this off, and if he knows the character well enough to do the accent right, I'm totally on board for that. Um, they've come out with... The fact that it's a heist movie. and that Makes sense. He's Ga- a con man. Right. And that Gambit is going to be a con man in this heist movie. But they have postponed it. And in an interview with the producer, Simon Kinberg, uh, this is what he had to say about it. I'm just going to read it directly. He says, we've got to get the script right. We just didn't get the script to a place where we all thought the movie deserved. So we're still working on the script. We're very close, actually, to being done with the script, and the hope is that Channing Tatum has a couple of movies he has to shoot, but that he would shoot at the end of the year or the beginning of next year. So it looks like the reason that they're giving is that they've got to go back to the drawing board with the script, really tighten it up. I would not be at all surprised if they're doing this off of the Deadpool success, and they're trying to add maybe a little bit of humor or edginess to this character because this character, Gambit, was one of the edgiest characters of the X-Men at the time. Yeah. And you mentioned the Deadpool effect. How long did it take for them to get Deadpool finally a finished product? I would happily wait that same amount of time, if not a little bit longer, if we get a very carefully thought out and well-played Gambit adaptation. Yes, I agree. Because he's, is, he's one of my favorite characters. He, me too, actually. He's one of mine. Right on. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> okay. Cool. This is Sony. Sony drops the ball. Time and time and again with these movies, and it's, oftentimes it's it's uh, pointed to the studios putting their two cents in and making the directors and the writers change it up for one reason or another. That gets it so far off beat from what it should be that it just is. It turns out to be a Fantastic Four type situation where the right hand was never talking to the left hand, and it ended up with a script that's jarbled, a director that hated the story. <laughs> when the <your> director <laughs> takes to Twitter bef- right before the movie debuts. To basically bash it. Yeah. Born under a bad sign. And so I am I'm totally okay with them going back to the drawing board and looking at some rewrites. They're also pointing at it looks like what seems to be a little bit of scheduling issues, but the main point he's making here is that they've got to go back and really tighten up that script. I say, do it. I do I do not want to get a gambit. Okay, we've already got a gambit that sucks once. 
Balls. I don't want to get a solo Gambit movie that sucks. Like when when we saw the X-Men Origins of Wolverine, for example. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Hopefully it gets the kinetic charge that it needs. Oh. So those are things that are coming up. Now we're going to change gears a little bit. We realize that it's mid-May, but Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, came out in December, December 17th. I know that because it was on my birthday and it was the most magical day ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm 33 and I celebrate magical things. <laughs> but um, since we nev- we weren't recording back in December, so we didn't get a chance to dissect it and put our thoughts down together on microphones. So we thought retroactively... We're going to talk about Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. It's our topic of the week. Oh, sorry. Were you waiting for me to say something? It's our topic of the week. (laughs) Star Wars Episode 7. It's already come and gone. No spoiler warnings in effect. Because let's face it, if you don't know what has happened already, you're not listening to this podcast we never got to talk about it. We're making up for it right now. Right. I really like this movie. Oh, I, great movie. Such a good movie. And not only was it a good movie, it was a good Star Wars movie. Yes. Um, With the feel of the originals, the feel of 4, 5, and 6, mm-hmm. 7 carried on perfectly but with new technology where everything just looked better and more polished. But it wasn't oversaturated with CGI and just right. ridiculous effects that have no place and, you know, I think that episode seven did what we all wanted it to do, which was make up for episode one, two, and three. Wash the taste out of my mouth. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because we were all, there's so many fanboys who are in love with the whole Star Wars universe. And then when episode one, two, and three come out and pretty much turn that entire universe into a laughing stock, there's actually a film about it. It's called George, Lu- what is it? The people versus the peop- George Lucas. The people versus George Lucas. Slanted as it may be, it makes some really good points. Yeah, exactly. Where you have people who are in love with this universe that he created, but then they're so mad at him because he ruined it. No, and you know what? George Lucas had different plans for episode seven. He talked about it. And then when and then Disney was like, yeah, we'll cool, take thanks. note of that. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your billions. Billions, yeah, get out of here. So the big thing that majority of people, whether it's been online or just in discussion with your friends, you've probably heard, if you're not the person yourself saying this, yeah, it just felt like episode four. It really did. Now, and here's the thing. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that indifferent? I totally get get why they did that. Yeah. I mean, what better way to make it feel like the original Star Wars than to pretty much make a carbon copy of the original Star Wars? It's pretty recycled, no joke. But it, here's it the thing, is. like our parents back in 1977, when episode four came out, the generation previous to us got to go experience that. And then they realized, wow, this is more than just a movie. This is a new king when it comes to storytelling and just making a whole new world come to life on the screen. And I wonder how many kids are now seeing episode seven as if it was their episode four back in the day modern day and getting to get introduced into the star wars universe like wow this is really cool and i just making new fanboys out of oh absolutely because it's something that they grow up knowing exists because their their parents are big fans or there's tv shows out there there's lego games out there so as they're growing up they're totally 
they're in the universe. They understand the universe, but they don't understand what started that universe. And now this they get a chance. Mo- this movie is is kind of like a kickstart back into the Star Wars universe. It's a great way to carry these young millennials onto the that same fandom and that same love that their parents felt. Indeed. So let's, if we can, let's just real quickly, let's talk about the similarities though, because we we touched on how similar episode seven is to the original episode four, A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And I just want to touch on some of those real quick, because you may not really think about it until you actually see almost like a list of the similarities. Especially, yeah, in your mind, the power of recollection. Yeah. So, I mean, let's kind of go through the story just, just real quick. So... So the rebels have some important information that is in danger of falling in the hands of the bad guys. Uh, and they give that information to a droid. Uh, that droid ends up with an orphan slash abandoned teen on a desert planet. The droid, that teen, and some third person get together and find some sort of sage or an old mentor. Are you describing episode four or seven? I can't tell. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Oh. <laughs> that teen from the desert planet learns how to use the force. The mentor has to face off with a bad guy. Who, in the hopes of... Who they sa- have history with. Yes. Who they have history of, with. In the hope of saving somebody. In, in episode four, it was Obi-Wan who shows Luke the importance of the force. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and how to use it. And then... In uh, episode seven, Han wants to save his son from the dark side, but they both end up dying. Both mentors end up dying. And then the teen realizes the power of the force and vows to continue helping uh, the rebel cause. Then the teen, who is just now learning how to really hone his or her skills on how to use the force, proves essential in blowing up a giant planet-destroying space station. Well, when you put it that way, boom! yeah, <laughs> little recycling going on. Yeah, no. So there's I, some redemption value going on there. I totally feel like, as far as step by step, it's v- so similar. But I do want to say this: Episode Seven, and I'm going to get some slack for this. Episode Seven is my favorite Star Wars. I absolutely loved it, and I. So I'm not complaining here. I'm just pointing out the obvious. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to argue now how they did interpreted that differently, and the necessity behind those things as to what brought them on screen. Slightly different, but totally, but not too dissimilar to the point where, you know, there's no cohesion between the two. For all the things that frustrated me with this movie, i.e., Ray, all of a sudden, oh, I know how to use the force now, and I'm not yeah. trained. And this kid over here, who could be like my cousin for all we know, uh, is is trained and has a grand or a supreme leader uh, guiding him how to use the dark side of the force. Yep. But now, Snoke. yeah. But all of a sudden, the force called out to her from that cantina on that planet, and she defeats him in combat. Uh, okay, but yeah, th- she she. Um, there's so many things that obviously they're hinting throughout the movie that she's got the force in her with with her, especially when she's up against Kylo Ren in any sort of situation, uh, both mentally when she gets to she in has his head, yeah, and when he's trying to get into her head, and physically when they're fighting. Um, I. I think that frustrated me a little bit, but here's why I have to remind myself is that there are two more movies to explain everything that has yet to really been answered or accounted for. Like how did uh, Maz Kanata, that little 
uh, alien. How did she get the lightsaber? How did she get the lightsaber? That's a story for another time. It's literally. <laughs> uh, so little things like that. Now I have some theories, and I'm not saying, oh, I read this online, so therefore it's mine. These are just thoughts I had. Uh, I truly, truly, truly don't believe Kylo Ren is genetically uh, Han Solo's son. Wait, really? Yeah, I really, I don't believe that. I think that Han Solo is covering for someone else. I think Leia might have had Kylo Ren with somebody else, and that person's bad, and we don't speak of this person, or it would bring shame to my family, or it would cause turmoil. So I think Han Solo covered. So you think Han Solo? Okay, so you think Han he Solo knows it's not his son and adopted him anyways, out of love and respect and honor for Leia. I feel like they would have touched on. I, I, don't I know. feel like that's something that will well, come. Well, maybe up. they will. And this is just, just, just my own speculation. But uh, it has und- to be Leia's son. Oh yeah, because no he has doubt. the Force, and and they've shown in the previous movies as well as in Episode Seven that Leia has though it's not fully fleshed out, Leia has traces of the Force in her because she is a Skywalker. Indeed. And so it makes sense that her son would then carry that same thing. Yes, and I agree. I just, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if they leave it at that and he ends up truly killing his father, I'm okay with that because every bad guy needs that one defining act of when they don't turn back or with a point of no return. Mm-hmm. You know, for Vader, he had to go in and kill all the, the Padawans and... Uh, I you know, slaughtered them all uh, like animals. Uh, that was episode two when he killed uh, the sand people and that was horrible. But yeah, he did slaughter them. He slaughtered that roll <laughs> like it was <laughs> a dying animal. Well, yeah, he Luke wasn't. Gi- yeah, he wasn't given much to work with. No. Uh, so I'm OK with that if that if that if they just leave it at that. And it was OK for me for Han Solo to die because at a certain point, it's just not believable whether it's Star Wars universe or reality here that Harrison Ford slash Han Solo is 70 plus years old and still smuggling and pirating. Yeah. And, and you could see that when he was running. They yeah. tried to minimize when, the time. What were those? The Rathgars? Rathars? Those weird creatures. Squiddy creature things that were terrorizing his ship. And the Conja Club. And the Conja Club. Yeah. Legends of episode seven. And there's this one part where he's running from them. And when he does that, you're just like, it looks clunky. Oh, yeah. It looks like he's buffering in real life. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and that's no fault of his own. And, you know, from what I understand, he wanted Han Solo dead yeah. a long time ago. So he, he like kind of begrudgingly took this role. In, but you saw his bankroll for this film and you're like, okay. well, that's the, you know, this is actually just a quick, quick bit of info. Uh, and you might already know this, but when he gets frozen in carbonite, they did that because they didn't know whether or not Han Solo would be back in the next movie. He was so against he this was, role. Yes, he was against it. He, he thought Han Solo had played out that role. Like He said, Han Solo is, is done. He's, he's had his purpose in this universe. But he was so popular with the audience that apparently um, George Lucas had to go to Han and just kind of beg him back. He went to Han? <laughs> Harrison. <laughs> he went to Harrison solo. He went to Harrison Ford solo. Ford solo he went by, by himself. himself. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and pretty much begged him back. And and then, of course, he did say yes. And then he got unfrozen from the carbonite. But that was their way of if he did, if he said no, then he's stuck in that. Then carbonite. He, yeah. He just died. Yeah. During the process. And I'm OK with him exiting. He did it heroically. I just wish if I like, if I could do a director's cut, meaning I'm the director, when he gets uh, impaled by the lightsaber, and you see him just like with a frozen expression on his face, but mm-hmm. he touches Kylo Ren's face, 
and then before he just slumps off and falls down to the abyss. I mm-hmm. wish he just would have looked him in the eye when he was dying in the throes of a passionate lightsaber thrust and just went, ow. <laughs> that would have been so funny and so like Han Solo's humor, I think. Um, so it's it's a sad thing. I kind of felt like it was coming because at a certain point, it's just not believable right. that a 70-year-old well, is... Heard- rumors ahead of time oh yeah i mean they were running rampant all yep. over the internet so that was obviously the the big defining moment mm-hmm. for a lot of people for this movie i personally thought for every new character they or for every old character they showed or showed exiting they introduced what could be yeah. a, a very worthy substitute because maz for yeah, example i think she's gonna be Yoda-ish great ish character yoda ish and she's very purposeful in saying i'm no jedi but I know the force. But I know the force. So exactly. she's studied it. She's a student of the game, so to speak. She's been around for a while. Um, I really liked Finn. But if you actually go back and watch the movie, over half his lines, he's just screaming, "Ray, ma, screaming, run, run!" Really? Because I, but I liked him. I thought he was a great addition to the, the humor. Entire felt series. a little forced with him sometimes. Like they were just trying to be too comedic with him. Do you have you have a boyfriend? Do you have a cute boyfriend? Droid, please. It was like was was that just the equivalent of space N word? Like, Edward, please. But he goes, Troy, please. I'm like, that was a little like. Yeah, but then he got a thumbs up from BB-8. By the way, my favorite new character, I voted online. Uh, my favorite new character that was introduced actually was BB-8. I thought he was a rock star. Oh, really? I, w- I would have said Poe. Poe Dameron is my favorite new he, character. He was good, He's too. He's the new Han Solo. Well, see, I, actually, I think Finn is the new Han Solo. Okay. Like, I he's guess, the tag-along guy but I, I who's guess, not forcible, so to speak. Right. But he's, he's down for the cause and. Okay, I. I agree with you there as his role yeah. in 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 the series. But I mean as as far as a smart talking wise ass pilot they're interchangeable. You got a, you in that got a sense. good parallel there. Yeah. Um, and I, by the way, can I say yes, I love can. the buddy buddy that Finn and Poe have. That's going to be a good connection. I think that's so great. Okay, future spoiler. If it ends up being true, you might have heard it here first if you're listening. By the way, thanks for listening. Um I think one of the developments in episode eight, which I would like to see, I think it would be really cool. Because if you ask me, this is a very well organized uh, new oppressive government system that is they have in uh, the like Nazi style. Yeah, in the the new re, the new order. Yeah. Um, how did Finn or FN two one eight seven get away so easily? And how did they only send like six stormtroopers after him? If this guy's gonna leak sensitive information and ultimately be their undoing as far as blowing up their, um, well, they didn't know that. They just thought he was defecting. They their only reason. But how did he get away so easily then after they found out that he's gone? I mean, to me, here's what I truly think, and this would be totally crazy if it if it comes to fruition. What if they let him go, and he's a sleeper agent for them, and then all of a sudden they whisper the magic words and he ends up being a spy for them. Or uh, I just don't think that they would take one of the favorited characters and turn him evil because then everyone who loved that character, I think you would just be turning audiences on their head and making them pretty mad. That's fair. I think one of the things that made his stock so high is the way he and uh, Solo, as he would call him, interacted in the movie. It was very oh, yeah. old guard passing on the torch to the new yeah. guard. And it was done with kind of a come here you knucklehead kind of mentality and it was they interacted well um one they of had the th- a lot of good banter and a lot of good jokes yeah it was 
pretty funny. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. That was, of course, like the, stuff like that. I think great. that drew the biggest laugh. Uh, the several times that I saw it, every time that was the big laugh. Or when BB-8 uh, did the little flamethrower thumbs up. Um, something that actually is totally minute detail, but I could talk Star Wars all day. What actually really worked for me is when Kylo Ren took off the mask. I thought he was more menacing without the mask because it shows shows he's kind of like this geeky kid. But yeah. no, I actually. I at first I didn't the mask like that, didn't work but I, for me. I, I, I absolutely do love it. Oh, I need to talk like this when I have the mask on. <laughs> and when he takes it off, if you'll notice, actually, after he kills Han Solo and the base is starting to implode, he takes his mask off because you know Ben. Uh, sorry, Han says, "Take that off. You don't need it." Right. And he takes it off to look at his father in the eye. And then after he impales him, he doesn't put the mask back on. That base implodes. And you see that walkway start to crumble into the abyss. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I actually wouldn't mind if he's maskless from here on out. I think he's going to get an upgraded mask. I think is what it's. But he doesn't be. need it. He's just trying to be like, I'm Darth Vader part I two. I know, and that's what I think that I think and maybe the, it's an intimidation. I thing. I think that the new mask he's going to get is going to be more Darth Vader ish. That's the thing. If I had a lightsaber and I'm dueling people, I would want a clear path of vision. Darth Vader needed the mask. Kylo right. Ren doesn't need it, but I understand True. if it's something. I thought the the. The scene, and granted, you knew it was coming because they showed in the trailer when he's like, I will carry out your work, grandfather. I was like, right. that's kind of cheesy. You're talking to a mask. Are you um, a little antisocial there, bro? <laughs> but this movie had so many great redeeming things about it, and it left on a hopeful note. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. And But the way it ended with that like two-minute-long stare down, I was just like... That was awkward. And you knew the end was coming that at was that so point. Weird you me. knew they were going to pull the plug right there when she reaches the island. But that it was awkward. Here's the thing that leads me to believe, um, like most uh, Star Wars fans do, that she is a Skywalker. Not that she's necessarily a Skywalker's daughter, but there's some connection. Right. If you look, and this is super detailed of me, but if you look at uh, Luke when the wind's blowing and he looks like he's just so happy to see someone else because he's probably been there for, you know, who knows how long. His eye is actually like watering, and I don't know if that was just like it was windy there <laughs> the that day, just going in his eye. and that's they just had to film that, or if know. that was done in per- on purpose. And there's obviously a connection there because they're just staring at each other. I really, you know, and as we talk, Star Wars is in production right now, Episode Eight. I am yep. really looking forward to it. I just, I really, I knew when the end was coming. Obviously, they telegraphed it, yeah. which was fine, and I started getting even as I'm watching it for the first time, and I, when I felt like my, you know. When you know like something's coming to an end. I had like this little sensor in my head that told me like right when R2 kicked on, I'm like, oh, this movie's almost over. Like five, mm-hmm. ten minutes, this movie's over. And even though I was celebrating what was a great movie and a great return to the screen. You were like sad. I was you starting were, to feel yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah. Like no, when you're a kid totally. in summer camp's ending or something, you know you have to go back to reality. So episode eight, please get here as soon as possible. So I want to I want to talk about. Captain Phasma for a second. Oh, yeah, of course. Because I actually have... There was more build-up for it than there was actually on-screen presence. Yeah, before the movie came out, it was this big deal that the actress from Game of Thrones... Gwendolyn is, Christie. Right, yeah. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. ...is in Star Wars. And then she shows up, and you only recognize her by the voice because she doesn't ever show her face. Yeah. And so it makes me think that Phasma has a bigger place in the Star Wars universe that they have not touched you on. You really got to hope so. So there's, I have two theories about this. Okay, well, first of all, I should say how easily she took down the shield when Han and Finn were pointing a gun at her was was sad. Like, they were barely threatening her, and she 
actually lowers the shield, which causes all of the destruction of that entire base. So she is solely almost responsible. And this is coming from somebody who's rose up the ranks of the new order. So I would think that she would have it ingrained in her to give her life for the new order. Yet she gave it up so easily. So that was kind of weird to me. And then, of course, they left her alive. So she's going to get into a lot of shit with the new order. So she's either going to A, run away and defect and maybe become good. I could see that. Or B, she will run away and then go after Finn and blame him for her having to leave the new order. Oh, like you forced my hand, you took away something I love, now I'm coming for you. Exactly. Yeah, she could be doing like a vigilante solo justice mission. Where like the new order is sort of after her, but then she's after Finn and she's maybe hoping if I get Finn, then maybe I can get back into the new order. That's a good point. So those are my two fan theories. Yeah, let's see how that fleshes out. And just real quick note, uh, two of the other minor but yet important characters, uh, especially representing the dark side, the almost kind of circusy General Hux we will crush the rebellion. You oh, know, God, like he was yeah. a little, little cheesy, a little Third yeah, Reichish propaganda-ish. Maybe they tone him down a little bit in the next episode. I mean, but, what better way to make you know who's good and who's bad than to make them almost a replica of the space Nazi Nazis? Party. Yeah. yeah, it was a little. Uh, it was forced. Yeah, it felt heavy-handed. Uh, I am very interested for the very little that we actually know of Supreme Leader Snoke. Yeah, he's obviously a puppet master. Um, there are theories as to who he is. We will see. He could just be someone new for all we know, but he's obviously been around for some time. I mean, the guy looks like his face was in a blender. Now I've read (laughs) theories that, uh, uh, Emperor Palpatine was actually mentored by Snoke and Emperor Palpatine to, in order to become that bad guy that Kylo Ren had to become who Darth Vader, Anakin had to become actually made the move to kill his own mentor but somehow he survived, and that's Snoke. Because oh. this guy looks old. He's obviously a manipulator who who might have survived. So who knows what the reveal is going to be on him, or if they just write him into his own uh, existence without having to refer back to episodes 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, or 3, for all we know. But he is mysterious. We don't know much about him. He's very interested in Rey. Remember, yes. he tells uh, uh, Kylo Ren to bring her to me. So I, what was it? I have sensed an awakening. Can you have you felt it? Have you felt it? Yeah, that was the voice in the first trailer. And props to Andy Circus for being another awesome mocap performance right. by being an an extra large uh, golem in this hologram, movie. <laughs> yeah, a golem with more scars. Anyways, uh, just speaking of Ray, yeah, she was amazing in this movie. Oh, I thought she was very great. Ray was such a great. I I love the fact that throughout all of these films, this is the first time you see a female in the lead role and she handles it with such poise. She is so good in this role. I really liked her. And so. I really look, I'm looking forward to her kicking some ass in the future. So speculate amongst yourselves as to what's coming. It's five months in the making, but that was our take on star Wars episode seven, a new hope awakens within the force <laughs> returning to theaters, December, 2017. Now, let's talk about movies on the smaller screen. You talking television? Television shows. So, you 
have started watching Jessica Jones. You have finished. I finished Jessica it a while Jones. ago, and I I really like Jessica Jones. I think, especially writing off of Daredevil, which came first, and got a great reception. Jessica Jones came soon after, and was not as action packed, but the story was something that you'd never expect to get out of what comes from a comic book origin. And how do and I'm about halfway through this first season and when I catch all the way up we'll be able to talk about it at greater length. She's the the main character and of course what is a good hero without a good villain. Granted she's not really heroic. She's just trying to save her own ass at first. She's an anti-hero. She very there. Thank you. Um but Kilgrave, the purple man, whatever other mm-hmm. persona uh, he's known by, just has Jedi mind control, but he's using it for bad purposes. Yeah. So I'm like, how does Marvel combat someone who basically just is using Jedi mind tricks it, on somebody? Yeah. And it's actually very interesting to see how it's playing out. I'm really liking this season so far. Um, it's Kristen Ritter, who, of course, was in Breaking, Breaking bad. bad. And uh, she's her snarky, sarcastic kind of street tough self um but she can jump and lift cars <laughs> she's super strong uh yeah she you know she's one of those things that when i first started watching it it took me a while to warm up to her yeah the snark is strong with her <laughs> the snark is strong with this one you know but as as the season went on i ended up liking her more but i have to say the character that stole this was david tennant's purple man and of course if you don't know all things geek tied together. David Tennant is the tenth Doctor from How Doctor fitting. Who. Yeah, and he is very charismatic. He's funny, and you—he's so charming that you forget that he is a freak, horrible, and a rapist, really. Yeah, and I really like that cop—the cop who he sent to uh, kill. Simpson. Yeah, and that's turned out to be quite a cool character too. And how he know—and that's the thing. Their victims, his victims who survive, know that something yeah. wrong has happened. Yep. They're not completely knowledgeable of everything that had happened in that moment when they're under his control, but they know that they're not themselves. And some people don't know how to deal with it. Some people want to make it up. And I just think it's cool seeing how the individual results vary. She basically has been a victim and had her friends and family be victimized by Kilgrave. And she is bound and determined to not let it happen again. But really, what can you do when he can literally manipulate anybody? Yeah. And when he they he first shows up, I think in episode three or four, when you see his face actually on screen, I thought, and Jessica's member uh, is going to confront him because uh-huh. she's trying to um, stop the cop from jumping off Simpson oh, from yeah. jumping off the building. And then she sees him, he sees her, and it's like a showdown because it's been a while, and they obviously some very sensitive history between the two of them. I just thought like that is a really weird space for him to be using as his hideout. It's just so open and public. I'm like, oh, that's right. He just walks into people's houses or knocks yes. on the door and says, would you like to invite me in? So yes. that way, and I'm just like, oh, that's right. He He's basically a wanderer, but he can go anywhere he wants as long as he's not surgically under. Uh, no, yeah, he's got the ultimate power. It's and, pretty awesome. And he uses it in such creepy ways in this season. Yeah. And, and I absolutely love it. And and you're halfway through. Yes. So I'm not going to get into any spoilers, but he Trying to think, I'm trying to say something, but I don't want to spoil it. But he uses his powers in such horrific ways He's throughout a this entire devious season. Devious fella. Well, 
I can't wait to finish this season and talk about it more. And in the meantime, they are setting up season two right now. I believe it's in production. Mm -hmm. We just saw an article online um, talking about season two is going to really put a focus on the supporting characters. I'm I'm not good with names yet on the show, but I really like the um, the druggy neighbor. Yes, the, um, he's confirmed to be in the next season. Yeah, so he's confirmed. We'll find out more about him. We'll find out more about some of the other characters who I probably haven't even seen yet. Mm-hmm. But I think that's not a bad thing. And uh, well, and uh, we know that Iron Fist. Yeah. Is uh, what's the? He's Loras Tyrell. Loras Tyrell, the Thank the you. Flower Knight from Game of Thrones. Yes. I don't actually know his real name in person. Hopefully, he does. Um, so that's good. <laughs> he knows his name. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more Luke Cage, by the way. Yes. He's, and they're, well, and I, I hope that they get the relationship between Luke Cage and Iron Fist mm-hmm. right yeah. in, in the next season. Yeah. So season two, I don't think there's a, a due date for it, but I imagine it might be out sometime this year. Maybe they'll make it like a fall release to compete with some of, you know, primetime shows, seeing as how season one's already wrapped up. Now, here's the thing. We, you mentioned, there's parallels, uh, not only on camera but off camera between uh, Daredevil, Daredevil yeah. and the show. Who in their right mind would want to move into a place called Hell's Kitchen? Like, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, well, the property's super cheap here. <laughs> uh, we mentioned a few minutes ago how I was kind of changing my tune a little bit about the Warcraft movie. Yeah, you're changing your tune a little bit about Gotham. Oh, I am. So tell me about it. Okay, so in a previous podcast, we went over. All the shows that we're not watching. Right. And admittingly, we talked about Gotham as one of the shows that we weren't watching, but I had admitted that I had started the, I had watched all the previous seasons almost reluctantly because you kind of get bought into these characters and you want to see these characters that you're so familiar with, like the Penguin and the Riddler, and you want to see them develop into the character that you know them to be. And so they, they really hook you on that show and make you want to watch, even though the storytelling can be absolute shit and the acting can be absolute shit. So in a previous podcast, I had mentioned how I started watching this new season and then just stopped. And then I admitted to you the other day that I started watching it again and I actually got quite hooked. I feel like this current season of Gotham is getting significantly better and the writing is getting significantly better than what it's been in almost all of the previous seasons. And so I'm not willing to put my stamp of approval on it quite yet, but I am I am raising my hand and saying, okay, I'm holding off judgment for, for now because I am actually enjoying keeping up with every episode. Cool. So, and that's what makes a good show. If you want, if, if when that, show is on and you get it on your DVR and you see that and you're like, oh, yes, I can't wait to watch that. And you choose that over other shows, then you know it's a good show. And I'm afraid to say it's a good show yet because I've hated it so much in the past. But now I'm starting to turn another leaf. We'll see. You know, I've actually felt that way about other shows that end up becoming things that legends are made out of. I really didn't like Breaking Bad throughout the first season when I tried watching it. Shut your dirty mouth. I know, but... I went back to it, gave it a try a second time, and I'm so glad I did. Oh, so I felt good. the same way about Dexter. When I went to go watch Dexter, I was like, I don't really get it. This isn't a really good show. What is everyone talking about? And then I went back to it, yep. and then it progressed. And I'm like, I'm so glad I stuck it out, only to have one of the worst endings in show history. But, you know. Versus Breaking Bad, which had, in my opinion, the best ending in show history. Uh, if you're teaching a class on how to end a show, 
show them Breaking Bad. That's that's your shining star example for sure. Uh, and in yeah. a kind of just quick little glossy note, Agent Carter, uh, all the shows that got canceled across all the big networks were announced this past week. Agent Carter was a victim of cancelization. I don't know if that's no, an, I, is that a real word? Cancelization? Cancellation. Uh-huh, it was a victim of the... Uh, we went to college. Yeah. Um, it is gone. And it's just, I, from what I understand, it's not a horrible show. It's not anything I watched. I did. I you never watched, watched a single episode and never really... From what I understand, it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't doing what they were hoping for despite positive reviews. And it's just kind of funny because it comes right in line with her death on screen. In Civil War. Yeah. She. Did you see how she got killed? No. Old age just took her out. It was very anticlimactic. It was just <laughs> was an like, announcement. I was like, was there something cool? And you're like, she well, died we watched the age. movie together. You wouldn't I just know. forgot. Ah. Well, I thought you were like, I thought I missed something. No, just time wiped her out. Uh, but it's just kind of like, oh, that's a little bit. I feel like they were. that was their way of saying goodbye to the show in a sense. It too. does seem rather more than just coincidence. Yeah. yeah. So goodbye, Agent yeah. Carter. Sorry for anyone who was watching it. So that was. Put the remote control down. Pick up your controller. Oh. Let's talk some video games. I see what you did there. See what you did there. So the Overwatch beta, we touched on in a previous podcast. I downloaded it, played it a little bit. The interesting thing is, is I was in the training rooms for this Overwatch beta to learn how to use these awesome characters that they had. Right. More than I was actually in the arena playing against characters and using my training. So you're a student of the game. So I, I actually really enjoyed this game. Um, it is an, it's a great arena shooter, player versus player, online arena shooter, where the characters and the little snarky comments they say and their personalities and the stories behind them really lend well to the action and the very, very unique abilities that every single character has. And I'm actually just... I tried to log on the other other day. I was like looking forward to it, coming home from work, and the beta had ended. So... It was a rather short window. It was a really short window, and I, I feel like I didn't get the time to, to play it like I wanted. But it was enough for me to just want to put it on this podcast and say, hey, if you didn't play the beta, you should definitely give that game a rent or a purchase when it comes out. Because I'm not really even into online shooters. I'm much more of a storyline person. I play the main campaigns by myself because I'm lonely. And so when except I Except for when we record. <laughs> except for when we record. Thank you. Um, so I'm so, so glad we're doing this because for one hour... A week, I have somebody in my life. <laughs> I feel like this is I'm the lonely. Twenty three seven. I feel like this is the third time I've cried on a podcast out of five episodes. Three fists, not bad. Yeah. So, uh, if you haven't checked out the beta, check out the game when it comes out. It's coming out very soon, May twenty fourth. So, look for that. May the twenty fourth. Local be with retail you. game shelves. I I think that it's really cool what uh, Blizzard has committed to doing as well. Um, to me, it says they're really interested in the quality of the the gameplay and experience, not so much the quantity, by the fact that they have said they will ban cheaters. Yeah, great. Awesome. Fine. That's what, to me, really illustrates the point that Blizzard says, we don't want more if it means more people making it a bad experience for people who want to play the game that we intended for you to. Right. Which is a, really, that's a great position to have. And I know other, I don't think it's the majority 
of game players have made that stance, but I've seen it rare instances happen, uh, which they issue warnings, but they, they're just going, Hey, first time cheating, he gone. And I think that's great. Yeah. Like having zero tolerance and make it so that those who would normally try are not willing to risk it. Good. Great. I mean, we'll still get our asses kicked, but at least we'll be honest and fair. Yes. Yeah, so at least true. we can't point to, oh, they're cheating. I'll still probably say they're cheating and they found a way to hack the system. <laughs> uh, uh, Star Wars. Battlefront like 2. Yeah, we should talk about Star Wars more. <laughs> uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 has now been announced for a 2017 release. Yes. And I have to say something. I was wrong. I thought... They're just going to do DLC. I, I thought that what they would do is that they would just create... You know, they would they would really market the $60... Ex- what the season pass for all the extended content. And I thought that would be their way of getting another $60 a year per the player. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Surprising, right? And I'm never wrong. But what, <laughs> what, <laughs> what are they going to do in number two that they didn't already do in number one? Well, they'll have, yeah, they'll have more levels Just and they'll have some levels. more characters, but that's the, that's the thing. How is the gameplay going to be any different to war in a brand new game versus it doesn't merit more a extended content? Yeah. And that's, and so I guess, Part of me was thinking logically and thinking, oh, why would they do that? And then now that they are coming out with one in 2017, I'm like, oh, it's because there's a lot of money to be made. Oh, weird. <laughs> weird. And they know that not only will they sell another $60 game, but they'll sell another $60 season pass. And, oh, and they announced that after 2017, it will be an annual release. Yay, we love annual releases, right? Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty. And Saw movies back in the day and paranormal activity <laughs> and anything that releases annually is just eventually headed for repetition city. Rep yeah. city. Last thing I want to just mention real quick. Go ahead. Here's something interesting. Disney canceled the Disney Infinity. Yeah, I had heard that. and characters, which is a shock to me because there's this new genre of games, especially geared towards the younger you know, younger gamers. Yes, yeah, called to- toys. Toys to life. Yeah, seeing your toys on the screen. Yes, exactly. And so, so they were the best selling out of all of the toys to life games. And this is against ones like Skylanders, where Skylanders started the toys to life genre. Yeah, Lego got got in on the action like, too. Yeah. Di- Dimensions, I think. Yes, Lego Dimensions. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so they're the best selling. Granted, there's not that much competition, but they had great IPs behind them. Mm-hmm. They had all the Disney characters to play with, but apparently. For some reason, the cost of making all of these toys and probably having to do with licensing for all of these characters, even though they're all under Disney, I assume there's a lot of red tape to go through to use one over the other because of who produced it and who directed it or something like that. Sure. Um, but there, apparently, the cost was way too high and it wasn't worth it. So they actually canceled all the Disney Infinity stuff. And I think they have one or two more characters they say they're coming out with and then that's it. Yeah, then and that's just, a shock to me. So what? It's not that you can't play it anymore, but after a while, you're just gonna hit a dead end. They're not coming out with the Disney Infinity two. They're not coming out with any more characters, which that was where their bread and butter was. Well, yeah, because you're buying the game a, and then you're buying oh, you got to get the, it's the Pokemon yeah. effect a little bit. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, so that was a surprise. Gotta not buy them all. Yeah. Well, having never played it. No loss for us. Yeah, but I just thought I, it was interesting news. Conceptually, that's like, it was a little puzzling. I mean, I'm sure there is, they're probably just frying bigger fish, in all honesty. Well, they, you know, have this 
multi-billion dollar IP called Star Wars. What's an IP? Intellectual property. Hmm, let me think about that. <laughs> How intellectual? Let me own that. Let me own that thought. We're going to start wrapping things up. Brandon, are you ready for your shadow of the synopsis? Yes. It's large. It's dark. It's looming. It's none of those things. <laughs> it's shadow <laughs> of the synopsis. So here we go. You ready? Well, should we explain real quick? Well, yes. Brandon's going to read me a synopsis and I have to guess what it is. Okay, go. <laughs> and it could be anything from any license, geek-wise, movies, comics, games. All right, here you go. Okay. Your your synopsis is... is let uh, me get... Wait, let me get into my shadow of the synopsis... Pose? S- ...sitting stance. Wait, sit... It's not a stance. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's really not a... St- then what do you call it? Your disposition? Your... No. no. What if I just lay on the floor like Burt Reynolds and I'm just like... What do you mean, what if you do? You mean when you do? (laughs) An American nuclear submarine encounters an alien species, which coincidentally causes massive electrical and hydraulic malfunctions, causing the sub to crash into an underwater cliff and sink. The Navy asks the workers of a nearby underwater oil rig who are joined by a number of Navy SEALs to locate and investigate the cause of the crash. The crew... As they embark on their mission, they encounter a number of difficulties and soon discover they may not be down there alone. There's something else in the water. So it's an alien who is messing with a submarine. Is that- Yeah, so take away some main points. Okay, we got aliens, Navy okay. SEALs, submarine crew. So my, f- my first thought is the battlefield. Or not battle, uh, battleship movie. You know, we only actually try to do things that are cool and good. And that's why I'm thinking it's not that. Right. Uh, but it could be. Because there's nothing like basing a movie off the IP hey, of a well, Milton Bradley. We were talking about movies based off of games. We didn't mean board games. No. We really and we should never, for that matter. Uh, okay, so... Same guy who played Gambit in that movie, too. Ugh. Ugh. So Navy SEALs... Uh, it's not the abyss, is it? Is that your final answer? Is that your final question okay, in the so form of an answer? Okay, so it's been a really long time since I've seen the abyss. Like, I mean, I don't even remember how young I was. So I don't remember if there's Navy SEALs in that, and if it, even if they had to do with a submarine. But the last part where you were talking about it, it made me think of it, the abyss. Well, it makes me think that you're right. I am. Good job, dude. And of course, for extra bonus points, who directed the abyss? Steven Spielberg. No, James Cameron. Oh, I don't know. I just was guessing. And James Cameron's the <laughs> I same told guy. Who, it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, I think the last time I saw a movie was when I was a kid. That's a good movie. It's not. I need to see it again. See, my first thought was Battleship. Yeah, I'm and glad I was you like, didn't go with that. I was starring like, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, any movie starring Rihanna, you know, is good. And I, I figured it wasn't that because I didn't think you would pick that. I, I mean, it's not a bad one though. It's kind of forgotten to a lot of people. Yeah. And but actually, then, I really think it's a great sci-fi movie. Is it? I really like it. Really? Yeah. Am I on the witness stand here? What the hell's going on? Battleship? Oh, no, no. The Abyss. My bad. Oh. <laughs> I thought we... Sorry. Somewhere in my head you had shifted no, back I, towards I, the Abyss. No, sorry. No, I, that's why the confusion on both of our ends. And so, so next, we want to give you an awesome quote. Quote? Quote. It's like a quote. It's a colloquial quote. It's when you quote a Coke. Just for the taste of it. 
Diet Quoke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, without any further ado, have you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> nope. Weird, right? Okay. Of course I have. Have you ever seen The Wizard without the With Oz? Fred Savage? <laughs> With Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah, the movie The Wizard rules. of Fred Savage. And, of course, what makes this movie so iconic is just, to me, the awesome 80s cheese ball soundtrack. And young Ben Savage uh, makes an appearance in the movie, too. Oh. Okay. So I think I know where you're going. So there's a quote from The Wizard that I just think is cool. Do you remember how cool The Wizard made the power glove look? And it That's great movie magic. There, so right before this clip that I'm about to play, the antagonist kid the bad right? kid the with bad the kid with his shades and his like leather jacket and he and he like pulls out this case and inside is the power glove <laughs> and he puts it on and then he starts he starts playing this driving game and all he's just doing is just his turning wrist. his wrist but then it shows the screen as well and the way he's turning the car is not it even does moving. not match up no and so you're just like how does that even work that's the worst version of what the Power Glove does. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go look it up. Just type in Power Glove the Wizard on YouTube. But in the meantime, here's the audio portion of it. This week's awesome quote in geek history belongs to the Wizard. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. Yeah, well, uh... Just keep your power gloves off her, pal, huh? Fred Savage stepping up for the woman he loves. I love that. Keep your power gloves off her, pal. I love the power glove. It's, it's so, so bad. The kid legitimately seems confused when he's saying those lines. And then you hear that, woo, woo, woo. What is that? They're, like at, the, the Western they're, out, they're out in the yeah. desert, that little like rattle, that hum and rattle. Oh, so cool. It was like making it like it was a sh- Nintendo power glove showdown. The showdown in the desert. Two men enter, one man leaves. So that is your awesome quote in geek history for the fifth episode of Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon. And whether you're just finding us right now or you've been hanging with us since our humble beginnings back in the month of April, want to say thank you very <laughs> much for hanging with us. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we'll be caught up on Game of Thrones. Maybe I'll be more caught up on Jessica Jones. We'll have some more stuff for you. All the news since this recording. Here's the sociables. We should have Lunchables while we do this. It'd be so sociable. Uh, We are on Twitter, are you? What do you know about Snickers by size? (laughs) Ham and cheese in between two crackers. Wash it down with Capri Sun after. Love that. Uh, Um, If you don't know what we're talking about, just... Type in Lunchables with a Z. Or Google. Yes, Lunchables with a Z. There you go. Yeah. Done. Done so. Done deal. Hit us up on Twitter. Follow us. We'll follow you back if you're cool. We are at Random Fandom WBB. But find us there, interact with us, follow us. And if you're a porn bot, go away. Yeah, just just message me on my personal email. Yeah, it's not hard. Yeah, seriously. Dummies. And I want to let everybody know that we are building a website as we speak. From the ground up, from scratch. Soon, you can go to randomfandomcast.com and get all of our latest episodes, pictures, of how cool and good-looking Brandon and Brandon look in the moonlight. <laughs> in the meantime, hit us up, randomfandomcast at gmail.com. Anything you want us to get into or you want to just let us know how we're doing. Rate us. Don't hate us. Please. <laughs> now, you've been waiting to say that for a while, huh? Yeah. Good job. Thank it, you. It came. It went. Did it 
was my pronunciation okay? I felt like I mumbled it. You're good. <sighs> and again, find us on Twitter like at Random Fandom WBB. Stay tuned until next time. Have fun exploring your inner geek. And thanks for being a fan of our fandom. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. <laughs> Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. You sound like a little kid trying to sell Girl Scout cookies. Thank you. In Northern California, we were born and raised. In the living room is where we masturbated all day. Hanging out, mashing the buttons, old school. Always watching bad movies and thinking they were cool. We're best friends now. And we share the same name. Brandon. Got some strong opinions about the movies and games. We started one little podcast with a stupid-ass name. Talk about fandom and never get laid.